Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Last week, I was um, sharing a word about false prophets. Because um, don't you know, in 2 Timothy, he told us to not only preach for encouragement, but also for uh, correction and um, to help align God's church. And that's what he's doing in this hour. We are in the midst of an incredible shift. God is changing and transforming his church in this season, not just this generation. And so things are shaking and they're moving, but when things begin to shake, don't you know that God is up to something on an international level and he's aligning his church and and not only is the world being shaken, but the church is being shaken. So the true church arises out of the ashes. God never created a church to be entertainment. He created his church to transform the earth. And those in it should be radical, fiery messengers. So I just got back from one of those, um, well, it was one of those. It was my first one to go to, but um, uh, got invited to this um, invitation-only prophets gathering and there were about 200, 250 of, of all of the prophets in America and um, a lot of the people there that you would know. And I'm thinking to myself, how did I get in this room? But primarily what they were focusing on was false prophets, which was incredible because I had just preached on it last Sunday. And so I just was so encouraged by the word of the Lord and that we're flowing in what God is saying for this hour for his church. Can I get an amen? amen. <clears throat> now in Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus said, what? Do not be deceived. The very first thing he addressed was that deception would be at an all-time high in the hour and the generation of his return. So what is, what is deception? <clears throat> it's when you say one thing and you do another. Right? I'm going to say something, but yet my actions aren't actually into alignment. And so last week I was really talking about what what Jesus was saying about false prophets. He was not saying a false prophet is somebody that prophesies wrongly. He was saying a false prophet is somebody that prophesies accurately, that flows in signs and wonders, but yet he doesn't know God. And he also said that it is a tree that is not producing the fruit of the Spirit, even though he's functioning in the gifts of the Spirit. So he has an outward manifestation of Jesus, but on the inside is a ravenous wolf. <clears throat> Do I have your attention? Now the good thing about Jesus is that he always leaves us with hope and he always leaves us with a recipe on how to do it right. And so he goes on to talk about the solution 
there in Matthew 7. And so I want to talk about that today. I've got six things that I want to talk about that we really need to do in order to be true prophets and not false prophets. Because God is raising up a church that the gates of hell will not stand against. He is raising up an army, okay? The, the, we are in the middle. <clears throat> I hear all these people saying, <clears throat> excuse me, that there's a worship movement and a prayer movement. Tell you what God is doing. There is a maturity movement happening. God is saying to his church, you, I'm not going to nurse you any longer. You have enough information. It's time for you to grow up on the inside and begin to look like me, not just act like me, okay? Not just lay hands on the sick and heal them, but you've got to have integrity. You've got to have the nature of God as well as the power of God. See, I consider a son and a daughter, not just somebody that looks like me, not somebody that just has my DNA, but my sons and my daughters better act like me. They better have my nature. And if I've done my job, I should be like Paul. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so there should be a flow through of the internal life of God in my children. Or therefore, they are rebellious and they are an orphan. And one of the things that they were dealing with at this, at this conference or uh, the, the, the gathering of the prophets is they were really dealing with, and these are, these are prophets that are in their 70s and 80s. These are men and women who have paid a price and they've been in the church and in the ministry for 60 plus years. Think about the wisdom that they have learned over this time. And the primary thing that they had to say to this generation of prophets is this. Grow up and begin to look like God. And you know, it's interesting because we think of the prophetic and we think in terms of like a prophetic word, right? I'm going, to prof I'm going to prophesy to you. I'm going to prophesy to this person. I'm going to tell you what, what I feel like the Lord has for you, which is right. But when, G when, when Jesus died on the cross and the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell in fire, the, uh, uh, Peter said, this, this is unto prophecy. Meaning that the words that are in heaven are now accessible in the earth and it is the access from heaven to earth that begins to transform the earth and we should all be tapping into what heaven is saying and releasing it in the earth access heaven transform earth access heaven transform earth we are the in and out the up and down people all right so the solution turn in your bibles to luke chapter 6 Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He says this, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Again, saying and doing, not the same thing. Verse 47, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. 
He laid the foundation on the rock. The man that not only says it, but he does it. And when the flood arose, the streams beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But when he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on earth without foundation. Where did he build the house? He built the house on the earth. He built the house on the earth. Beloved, let me tell you something. If you are going to build your house on the words of the earth and the facts and the realities of earthly things, I'm telling you, your house and your foundation will not stand in the days to come. Because there is a higher truth than that what is happening in the earth. And once we lay hold of truth, we can bring truth down. And that is the only thing that will change the things that are happening on the earth. You want to get rid of Antifa? Stop talking about Antifa. Start talking about what God has to say about Antifa. against which the stream beat vehemently and it immediately fell and the ruin of that house was great. Why? Because you think because you're doing the things of God and you're, and you're saying, you, you know, you think that you actually are approved by God or that you'll stand in the shaking, but because you don't have the character and the nature of God, you're going to fall. It is all about the internal work of God. God is after the heart. That is where the law has been written on our hearts. So that when people look at us, they'll say, those people are the most integrous people on the earth. They not only speak truth, but they do truth. Jesus is the word that was in the beginning. He tells us this in, in John chapter 1. So we can say this, that the Trinity is actually the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. Right? The Trinity is the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. The Word was in the beginning, and He spoke the world into existence. He is still speaking today. And when you look at this book right here, this is not like, oh yeah, that's the Word, but, but the Spirit... I am telling you, beloved, if you try to go and follow the Spirit without being grounded in the Word of God, this is Jesus. He is the Word. He can be found all throughout the pages. This is His story. Now, within you, He's continuing His story. Through Yaku, he's continuing his story. Through Matthew, he's continuing his story. Through Katie, he's still writing books that are within man. But without this and the foundation of this, we will not be able to stand in the days to come. The rock is the word and the rock is Christ. He is the chief cornerstone. Isaiah 28 verse 16, therefore thus says the Lord God, behold I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. You see, this is an important time right now for us to get this foundation solid. Why? Well, I just wrote a book about it. It's about to be published and you can read it then. But I'm going to give you a little hint right now. It's called God's End Time Temple. And he spoke to us out of Zerubbabel and he said this. Let me read it to you. Zechariah 4, 
Verse 7 and verse 9, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth a capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And so he said, listen, Jesus laid the foundation in the spirit of Zerubbabel. He laid the foundation, okay? But he's coming to finish it. And, and, and I'm telling you, we are in the hour of God's finishing work. The capstone is coming. The capstone is like a cement roof. It's what comes on the top of a temple. And if your foundation is not firm, if your foundation is not rooted in Christ, then I'm telling you, the capstone cannot come to you. Once the capstone comes, then the glory will fill his house. He is finishing up his work in this last generation. That is his capstone generation. So there are six characteristics. I know you guys like numbers. There are six characteristics to have a solid foundation. Number one, you can write this down or put it in your smartphone. Number one, you've got to receive the truth of God's word. He is the chief cornerstone. You've got to receive God's word and you've got to believe God's word. Let me give you an example. So the Lord prophesied to John and I years ago that we would have our own TV show, right? Well, John and I aren't looking to have a TV show. It's not something that we're like, oh, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, it never, it never occurred to us that we were going to have our own TV show. But God spoke his word, and so what did we do? We believed it, and we wrote it down in our prayer journal, and we just began to declare it, and we began to open doors and the pathway of God through our agreement. And then Sid Roth came to us and said, how would you like your own TV show? And we're like, Okay, that's so weird. Am I right? But let me tell you something. God has for you something more than you can hope or imagine. And God is looking for people that continually line up with his word. And there is a place in that, in believing, where you're going to get more than what you can hope or imagine. I can't hope or imagine a TV show. I can't hope or imagine any of this. But God said, therefore, he will accomplish it. Amen? Amen. Number two is the knowledge of God. In Matthew 16, verse 18 and 19, Jesus said this, and I also say to you, Peter, okay, so he's having a conversation with his disciples, and he's saying, who do they say that I am, right? He's saying, who, who does everybody, who are they, what's the gossip about me? And so... Um, Peter says this, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And, he, and then Jesus replies to him in verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Have you ever wondered why the church is not binding and loosing? Maybe they are not built on the rock. Maybe the church in America isn't actually 
built on this foundation. The revelation of the knowledge of God that they let, they let that go deep within their DNA. Why? Because they, are, they believe this. Not only do they read it, they meditate on it, but they believe it. And beloved, unfortunately, Barna has reported that only 17% of the body of Christ, this is church-going Christians, actually believe this word. 17%. That's incredible. Time to activate them. I will guarantee you right now that if Barna did a study, you're going to find out that that 17% has increased. Because this year, it has caused people to return to the heart of God and begin to seek out what is the truth. They are seeking and searching for God, and I believe, I believe that they will find it in here. Besides, I'll tell you what, 17%, quite frankly, 17% can change a nation. You get 17% of, of firebrands, and I'm telling you, it's, it's game on. We just got to get that 17% activated, bringing heaven to earth. All right, the third is the word, okay? I already talked about this, but let me repeat it. Um, 1 Peter 2, 6 and 8 says this, Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him by no means will be put to shame, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word because... Uh, to the word to which they also were appointed. And so there's, there's really a separating that's happening right now. And I know you can see it. God is separating his sheep from his goats, those that believe the word and those that don't believe the word. And you're going to start to see the trajectory of these two and where these roads are going to take them. Number four, understanding, the, uh, uh, understanding. Okay, let's talk about the parable of the sower. So, in the parable of the sower, which is one of my favorite scriptures, it's one of my favorite parables. In fact, the word says that, if, that the, the parable of the sower is actually a key to all the other parables. So, if you understand the parable of the sower, you can actually use that as almost like a map to understand all of the other parables. Why? Because most of the parables talk about agriculture. <clears throat> and, and, and the seed is what? It's the word. All right, Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word because he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the word on good ground, say good ground, is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, 60 and 30. Now, again, John and I used to be in, well, I used to be in business. He, he's still in business. 
but what we understand is, is I'm going to sow and I should produce something. So I should produce income when we are in business off of, off of all the resources. So I should get a profit. I should get a return on my investment. And I believe that the Lord is looking at his church and he's saying, where's my hundredfold? I need a return on my investment, not just the investment of my son, but I don't know about y'all, but I mean, you know, I see the church doing a lot of work, but I don't see a lot of investment. 17%. Right? So I like 100-fold. I don't want to do the 30-fold. I don't want to do the 60-fold. I want 100-fold. So the foundation, the soil of our lives needs to have understanding. So we don't just receive the word, but we actually meditate on the word. We eat the word, we consume the word, and we understand it. So it makes the, what is it? What is it? The 30-inch the uh, journey. It's got to come from my brain, which is good. We want to understand it here, but it's got to come down here into Revelation. We've got to get an understanding. And once we understand, we know, then we will be, as, as Paul said in Romans, we'll be the ones that are fully convinced of the word of God and nothing will get us off of what we know to be true. Understanding. All right. What number are we on? Five. All right. This is a really important one, and let me speak to this generation of young people, meaning anybody who's under my age. <laughs> That's all of you, basically. Um, having a teachable heart. And I tell this to all of my single daughters. I'm like, look, the number one thing you want in a husband is you want somebody that has a teachable heart. But it really does apply for all of us. Having a teachable heart. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We've got to be able to have a heart that says, you know what? I may not know it all. I know that's shocking to some of you. You're like, what are you talking about? I may not know it all. And there may be other people, people that are older than me, who have paid a price for fruitfulness, and their tree, not only does its root system go deep, but it has broad branches. And, I, and, and, and you ought to be able to look at that tree and these elders in the church and be able to say, I want to look like that. I want to eat of that tree. But a lot of times, what we'll do, not knowing as a generation, is we'll look at a tree that has a lot of gifts, but yet may not be honest and integrous with a good family and a good marriage and all of the things that we need to see good with their money, all of the things that we need to see. And if you eat from this tree, you're not going to get nourished because there's no good fruit, but you eat from the tree of someone that's producing really good fruit, then you're actually going to get nourished. You're actually going to begin to grow because the seeds that were in that tree are getting planted in you. Number six, don't just preach the word, but be a doer of the word. 
Again, saying one thing and doing another. Uh, James uh, chapter 1, verse 21 says this, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I don't know about you. I don't want to be deceived by anyone, and I certainly don't want to deceive myself, right? And I tell you what I've learned is a way to grow. You know, everybody's like, I want a spirit of discernment. A way to grow in discernment, really beginning to be that person who is not just a preacher of the word, but a doer of the word. And that's when you can really begin to see what's not true. Now, beloved, you know, when this whole thing with Rona started, the, the prophets in the land should immediately go, wait a minute, something's not right. And they should be able to go to God and hear from him and begin to release a true word to the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can come into alignment with what God is saying. That's the job of a prophet. All right, so in finishing up, I want to go through uh, three characteristics that will keep you from being fruitful. So I just, I just talked to you about six things that will help you be fruitful, but here's, a, here's three things that will keep you from being fr- unfruitful or being unfruitful or, okay, you know what I mean. <laughs> to keep you from being unfruitful. Okay, number one, disobedience. 1 Peter 2, 7. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Beloved, let me tell you something. You want to go ahead and do this. Do yourself a favor. Fall on the rock. Don't let that rock fall on you. Now, I'm talking out of experience because I've had that rock fall on me for, I don't know, 15 years And it's not that I was disobedient. I was partially obedient. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, I'm going to come this far. And beloved, let me tell you something. The Lord loves us even in our immaturity, and he'll help us do that. But I always found that it 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 was painful to even be partially obedient. If I just go all the way, I get met. God beats me there. It's amazing. And then everything that he said comes to pass. All right. Number two, folly. Folly. Mm. Having folly shut up in your heart. Proverbs 14, verse 8. The wisdom of the prudent to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Folly is just deception that is tied up in our heart, and it's, a, it's a, almost like a vain imagination, and it doesn't allow for wisdom. And so I found um, that folly actually can be a deterrent to the Spirit of God growing someone, because they live in this world in their hearts, and folly is shut up in their hearts, and it doesn't actually exist. And so they, they think one thing, but no, it's like, no, 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 that's actually not true. Let me help you have wisdom, and let me begin to teach you so you can release some of the folly in your heart. Stick a pin in it and let that thing leak out. 
Okay, number three, pride. So we all have pride. Sorry, nobody gets out of this. I didn't think I had pride because nobody that has pride thinks they have pride. <laughs> right? And so I've been through so much in my life that I thought, you know, I had a house fall on me, you know. I mean, I've just had so much happen that I just thought, no, it's not me. I don't have pride. No, I've been through the ringer. I, I, I couldn't have been more wrong. And a sweet friend of mine said, have you ever heard of Katie Souza? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's, I love her. She's awesome. You should listen to some of these teachings. And like thrown in there is the teaching on, or the deliverance session she does on pride. Oh, so I did it. I was like, oh, okay, I'll do this. Maybe I could stand in the gap on behalf of someone else. <laughs> so I start saying it. I'm going through, you know, she'll take you through it. I encourage everybody. Everybody needs to do that. And I'm telling you, this thing came out of me like deep in my soul. And I am on the floor in a puddle. I felt it lift off of me. And I was like, whoa, that was me. I had that. And I'm telling you, man, I felt so much better afterwards. And you actually will see things differently once that spirit comes off of you. What does it say in Job? Leviathan, he, was, he is the, the king of the prince of pride. The princes of pride or the kings of pride? King of the sons of pride. Thank you, Matthew. Our PhD. So I really encourage all of us to go on and hopefully, like me, you know, you'll leave that thing in the dust and there'll be a, a neighborhood of pigs nearby. <clears throat> so let me close with this. Um, while I was there, I had the privilege of meeting a man named Bishop Joseph Garlington. So precious. 86 years old. And he said this. God does not judge us for where we are, but for who we refuse to become. I was like, <laughs> all right, I can go home now. All right, let's stand. I just want you to be encouraged today because if you say yes to this in your heart, if you say yes to this, I'm telling you, this is not a 20-year program. This is not a 12-step program. God is working fast in his people, and he's getting his people solid. And if you really want to be part of the maturity movement, I'm telling you, God is going to do it in you and for you. All you have to do is say yes. And of course, watch Katie Souza. <clears throat> So uh, let me just pray, and I'm going to bless you. Well, Father, I thank you for these saints. God, I thank you for that I am looking at your beautiful army, the ones that you love, the ones that you have called for such a time as this. Father, I just bless them now. I bless you in the name of Jesus to run full out. God, I ask you for a foundation that is sure and true and steadfast. Father, I pray that we would be planted by the streams of living water and that our root system would go down, God. Father, I 
pray that there you would take their yes and, and run, give it to the angels, then they would run with the horses and not grow weary in this hour, God. They would be fully established. They would be prophets in the land to transform cities and nations and neighborhoods. God, I pray that you would begin to send us out into the streets. God, I thank you that, the, that you have brought the harvest out into the streets. God, I thank you. Would you give us everything we need to go back and begin to glean this harvest for your kingdom? In Jesus' name. And everybody said.